0: Queechy. Queechy.
1: beloved listeners, this is Adrian, writer of stories and songs, emergent strategist, pleasure activist, and meme witch living in the land of the Shikori, Skarure, Tuscarora, and Lumbee peoples. And this is How to Survive the End of the World, our podcast about learning from apocalypse with grace, rigor, and curiosity. When I say how, of course, I, oh, when I say ours, of course, I'm including my co-host and sister, Autumn currently on sabbatical. In her absence, and in the spirit of my book, Fables and Spells, I am going full witch mode this season and having conversation with my favorite and most admired witches. And I will also read you little bits and pieces from the book as we go. And just to say what I mean by witch, people who work with the elements of the natural world, including human nature, to generate more possibilities. Witching is engaging the essential natural world with magic or supernatural intentions. Some names for what I'm including in witch work are shamanism, sorcery, healing, herbalism, midwifery and doula labor, root work, conjuring, ritual, spell casting, astrology and divination, sound baths, altar building, song channeling, building a direct relationship with the realm of spirit, with the holy, with the ethereal. and. We're gonna play with it all season. I'm excited to learn from other people how they're defining it, what they actually do. So our guest today is Gerald Dr. G. Love Robinson, who is an earthly representative of intergalactic royalty. In this incarnation, she's known as a path shamanic practitioner, teacher of cross-cultural earth wisdoms, a retreat leader, artist, poet, lover, peace activist, queer keeper of the gates and walker of the beauty path. This year, Dr. G is celebrating 20 years of her mostly New Orleans centered private healing practice, Five Directions Wellness and Soul Shifting Retreats, and wants to extend gratitude to all those wonderful beings, seen and unseen, who have been a part of this powerful journey. At this time, Dr. G Love is holding or co-holding a healing and artist residency retreat in the Green Mountains of Vermont. I'm very excited that Dr. G. Love is with us. The way I first heard about Dr. G. Love was that all the Black women that I love, who I think of as dope witches, were all like, I'm going down to Central America to do this ancestor work. And I'll tell you about it later. I'm I'm, I'm going down to somewhere. And we, we did this whole thing. We opened a portal and don't, anyway, we're learning how to open portals. Uh you know, you should come. I was like, what, what is this? And then I finally got to meet Dr. G love who sat in a corner of a room while a whole flashback memory came out of my thigh. So that's our history. <laughs> that's our story. So Dr. G love, first and foremost, how are you right now today?
0: Thank you. I'm doing well. Um, interesting. You should mention the flashback coming out of your thigh. I remembered, you know, holding space and, yes. um, doing, uh, just holding space using the, um, ISIS pendulum while that was yeah, happening. The pendulum, mm-hmm, right. mm-hmm. Yeah. I was using the brass ISIS pendulum, which sends out a very particular frequency that, that can hold that type of healing space. Anyways, wow. I have been having every Sunday for the past three Sundays, this really intense somatic knee response.
1: Wow.
0: Yes. So do you know what it is. I believe it's an astral ghost. My astral ah. ghost. Ah. So um one of the like really key ways that um my healers and guides have uh guided me to look at knees is uh, you know, obviously it's support and this type of thing. And I do have a history of knee drama, we'll say.
1: Me too. Uh,
0: Okay. So horrific
1: knee pain all the time.
0: Okay. So we can commune more on this topic. So I'm really going deep (laughs) in there. One of the things I'm doing, uh, especially over the past three weeks, since I've consistently been put down um, with a really swollen mm. knee or a locked knee. And it's gone back and forth, right to left. And then it like resolves itself in the middle of the week. And then the other niche decides to play a game on the next Sunday. I
1: understand that dance. I know that. I know that particular drama. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> okay.
0: Okay. I'm going to talk to you about the astral ghost. Okay. We have incarnated to do some very powerful work. And we chose mm-hmm. the avenues that we wanted to do that incarnation through. And whatever avenue that is, that's parents, family, culture, the planet etc right the timeline yeah. the dimension uh so we know that that's all facts there is enmity there okay enmity shows up in many different ways including by hacking let's say fears insecurities worries or personality traits of those close to you including your parents and family members who may have raised you so mm. i said all of that to give us a preface for what the astral ghost is which is the yeah. astral ghost is the profoundly lost way out in dark matter part of yourself that fled for survival when one's dysfunctional family and or culture came so hard for your personal genius that you put this most precious gem of self in a most distant location. Mm. And because we incarnated into what turned out to be a very profound war zone, this timeline on earth, we never really felt safe enough to bring it back. And now that entity is like in the dark matter, can't find Uh. it. This type of knee presentation, among other things, can lead one to investigate in that direction. In my case, it is notably worthy for me to investigate in that direction. And it may be the same for yourself.
1: Yeah, this it is interesting that my knees too tend, they do tend to flare up in moments of great change in my life as well. When I'm like, okay, everything's good. I everything's good. I feel safe. I feel landed. I feel full. I feel mm. Mm-hmm. And so it's really yeah, so this I'm vibing with this. <laughs> like yes. I'm vibing with this. All right. So I know I'm using the language of witch. And I know a lot of people who I think of as doing witch work don't necessarily use that language at the front of how they speak about themselves. So I wanted to ask you, is witch a language? Is it a word that you use for yourself or how do you identify the
0: work that you do? Well, you know, I really, from the core of my soul, identify as an intergalactic representative here on the planet at this time. Great. So uh, that absolutely has always and probably will always uh, chart right into which um, <laughs> in yeah, human yeah. parlance, any yes. language, you know, bruja, bruhex. You know, I think it's going to uh, chart right there. So. Um, I definitely have publicly identified as a witch. I don't know if you know, but like I was definitely one of the really early, early, um, you know, social media black witches in these streets with uh, being a co-founder of Black Witch Chronicles, which would have been back in uh, 2013, 2014. Uh, Um, Yeah. Okay. I didn't know that. I'm like, this is exciting. Tell me more. So at that time, uh, you know, we got a, a significant amount of pushback. People, uh, you know, there's been so much, you know, it's like the dog years of the Internet are intense. So we're looking at, you know, eight years later, nine, eight years later, it was a whole different world. So I really was one of the first black witch voices out there. Y'all can Google it and find out. Um, <laughs> And, um, uh, people pushed, people were afraid, um, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of our, pe- you know, peers, I would say black women in particular, um, were like, be careful with using the phrase witch, be careful with using the phrase black witch, um, a black witch is actually a dangerous entity and a lot of our Afro diasporic content- continental, um, mm-hmm. co- um, cultures. And people gave a lot of, um, fear. So I ended up really embracing witch at that time more so than ever because the amount of fear that came from people that I otherwise, you know, really feel a lot of respect towards and who's, who are also doing, frankly, witchy work, um, it let me know the importance of liberating, empowering, and just diving in and embodying the um, identity. So I'm all for it. I love that. So take us back
1: to baby G love. When did you first realize you were an intergalactic represented to this place when did you first realize you were a witch when did you feel first realize that you were called to this kind of work this way of being
0: look I wasn't even really supposed to incarnate in this particular lifetime I was uh-huh. like yeah I was cutting up basically I, I completed my work here <laughs> uh-huh. I completed my work here and I was in like a little gathering in let's say another dimension and yeah. um I just simply wanted to come back I really have like a trickster bodhisattva spirit. And so I really wanted to come back and do the thing. Like I wanted to get back whatever unfinished business I thought I had. Now I will yeah. tell you, there's been some, I would say, ass whooping to mm. me from mm. the ancestors throughout the course of my life as a result of this mm-hmm. bold and belligerent choice. So I mm-hmm. really do have actually a recollection of like running and like Leaping and catching like a sentient strand of light. <laughs> oh, wow. And coming down into what, you know, would turn out to be my mother's womb,
1: right? Yes, into this life.
0: Yeah. And I, I came through a Coney Island hospital in Brooklyn, baby. So I, you know, chose a wild, crazy spot. I came in at Coney Island on the Atlantic Ocean. So um, wow. strong Yemonja energies, um, strong uh, urban funhouse energies.
1: <laughs> like, That's the trickster energy too. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And you knew, like as a ch- as a kid, yeah. Like like you were like, I'm all, I'm very con- conscious of who I am and what yes. I'm doing here.
0: Yeah, I felt like I had a lot of understanding of what was going on in people's minds. I felt mm-hmm. I had a lot of understanding. I f- there were a lot of stories running, and so of course I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't raised in a temple, you know, so I didn't have. Yeah, the type I was gonna say, how was
1: how was how were the adults around that?
0: The adults all felt I was a bit much. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I bet they
0: did. I think uh, across the board. Uh-huh. Yeah, they felt I was truly yeah. a bit much. Um, you know, they would have punished me more. I mean, I got a lot of, I got in a lot of trouble. They would have punished me more um, or like vilified me even more if I didn't have, um, you know, this very obvious attachment to the realm of the Akasha. Mm -hmm. So what um, the society I was born into anyway did value was intelligence or something that appeared to be, you know, intelligent. Because for me, values, interests and principles is always where we're going to go to help us understand how to negotiate our way through a thing. So it's like, mm-hmm. okay, I can tell a story of trauma and like, oh, I felt, uh, you know, abused. But really what it is, I've had the time to look at what the values, interests and principles of the society were and of the people I was born to were. And so um, my attachment to the Akasha was like, wow, this is like a really smart kid. Mm-hmm. And my ability to just whip out these answers and uh, these sort of like savant moments, um, you know, freaked people out, upset people, disturbed mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. but schools would then like give them positive feedback they also right. would give them negative feedback by saying the child doesn't pay attention she talks too much She doesn't concentrate like she appears to not do anything, but then somehow she knows all the answers, Mm
1: -hmm. gets her work done.
0: And that was me. So here I was a little kid, very like, well, you're not challenged. You know, I don't know what to tell you. My task is to like turn in the work and the work is turned in. So now you want me to do what? Like sit quiet. It's not my fault. These people. So I was a very like mouthy kid, (laughs) a very like I jumped on a sentient strand of light and ended up in a place that I had no business being in some ways. So I was talking mad shit and people were like, I... (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: Beautiful. (laughs) And then at what point, if there was a point, like maybe it's more like this. Do you have a sense of like, this is the formal witch ancestry or formal lineage that I became a part of? Like, is there a place where you're like, oh, and then I met this person who became my teacher or this, I, I... read this book and found the lineage that I needed to practice.
0: Well, yeah, I've walked in a number of lineages. I'm really proud to say that I've had some of the best teachers, uh, for me anyway. I love my teachers, um, including like, so I would say um, dance and theater was a real uh, Mm. entry point. So um, I have a, a long history, an early history in dance and theater. And my relationship uh-huh. to the theater, I'm also, I'm a playwright. I have an MFA in playwriting. I have an undergraduate in um, performance. Um, I've done a little conservatory time as a performer. Um, I have theater time. And anyways, that. my journey into theater, which was really helmed by what I would refer to as a triumvirate of witches at my undergraduate, <laughs> yes,
1: <laughs>
0: whose names were Kendall. Andrea Hairston, great author, by the way, check out her <gasps> Andrea
1: Hairston, I love
0: her. Yeah, she's an early mentor of mine. I love her too. Awesome. And Deborah okay. Lubar. So Perfect. that was my little triumvirate of um, brujas that brought me in. So Andrea like, really uh, walked me into IFA, into Arisha, into uh, the ancestor work uh, through her playwriting courses and through her history wow. courses. Um, Deborah Lubar, through her performance courses, really brought me into the um, whole relationship of the theater as actually descended from ceremony. So how Mm. I became a ceremonialist was through the theater.
1: I love that, Mm -hmm. I love that. And now I wanna get into all the magic. So what are all the ways you do which work currently?
0: Okay, well, I'm a very strong shamanic practitioner. Um, I pra- I'm a Pachacuti Mesa carrier. The Pachacuti Mesa practice was created by uh, my maestro, uh, Don Oscar Miro Quesada, who I truly love. Um, so um, he's, a whole, he's a whole entity now. Like He got his own thing going on where he's like teaching. The, he's bringing the Pachacuti Mesa like, to the world and stuff right now. But I had the good fortune of apprenticing with him. Uh, many years ago and just getting the opportunity to uh, take a much more traditional apprenticeship in uh, this uh, Peruvian shamanic based cross-cultural medicine journey designed for the coming now present prophecy of the meeting of the eagle and the condor. Mm -hmm. So roughly speaking, Pachacuti means complete world reversal. And a mesa is another way of saying table or altar. Mm-hmm. So, as a Pachacuti mesa carrier, I am a carrier of an altar of complete world reversal. So, I would say foundationally, I am a cross cultural shamanic practitioner and guide.
1: <laughs> what does that look like in practice?
0: <sighs> it looks like nature. Mm-hmm. You know, also my work with Ifa. As an abirisha, uh, abirisha, uh it roughly translates into uh, one who walks with and works with nature. Mm-hmm. So um, it looks like nature. Uh, working with Pachamama, which represents the south of the medicine wheel. Pachamama is representative of the physical body. So when using the medicine wheel to heal, I can go to the south to all the medicine that has been built over the many generations passed on down through the generations now into my medicine field that exists in the south of my mesa i go to the south of my Mesa, i dip in there for physical body healing work that's in the south of the mesa in the west of the Mesa, i go to oh and the the animal ally of pachamama is amaru the snake
1: oh beautiful
0: yes moving to the west we come to mama kia mama mm-hmm. is grandmother moon so we know the tides of Mamakia and Mamacocha, the moon and the ocean, the relationship there, that's emotion. That's what lives in the west of the Mesa. So we work, the, we heal the emotional body there mm-hmm. in the west of the Mesa. And the tutelary animal allies of the west of the Mesa are the dolphin and the whale. So we use the west of the Mesa for uh, underworld work. For this sort of uh, astral ghost stuff we're talking about, going into yeah. dark matter. Basically, the west of the mesa is also, this, it's, a, of course, the medicine field is complicated. So you have yeah. your five directions, which I'm talking you through. And then you have your fields as well, which we'll just say below, middle, and above, right? Okay. So the below is where your witchcraft is. It's where your yeah. spells are. It's where you're saying, I'm going to use my power as an embodied entity to... Yeah alchemize some form of action or change on this plane or on other planes and dimensions that I'm operating in. All of that happens in the West and also in the Ukupacha, the underworld. Coming up Mm -hmm. to the North, you have Wiracocha, which is the eagle and the condor. That is the place of spirit, the spiritual body medicine. You go to the North for that. So that is just a highly illuminated place. It's a place that is actually in the center, in the Kaipacha. It's on the center line, and it's an attachment to the ancestors. So it's a a Saiwa portal to move up into the ancestral realm. Coming to the uh, east of the mesa, you're going to have Inti, Inti Taita, father, son, um, S-U-N, son. And uh, the tutelary animal allies of Inti are the puma and the jaguar. And that's really
1: these big cats. I yeah,
0: because that's the mind. And one yes. thing we all experience when we when we begin to awaken from this dark, long, dark age of consciousness that humanity has just gone through. And I, I say humanity, spell it with a Y, baby. I'm just using that word right now because I told you I'm colonized with my words. But hear me when I tell you whatever mm-hmm. us sentient little beings are. Okay, this yes. long, dark, dark, dark night of the human soul we are just little sparks right now of stirring awakening that's the most we can claim about ourselves because it's been such a long long dark night of the soul and those mm. big cats when you start awakening those big cats come and tell me if you don't if you haven't had the experience perhaps you've read about it rip your brain to shreds oh yes you go through some crises <laughs> Some like, I can't trust
1: anything in here.
0: Exactly, yes. <laughs> those big cats basically come, rip you apart, eat you, shit you into the earth. You mm-hmm. fall, you go into the earth. You become fodder for the earth, and then you give birth to plants and lichen and all kind of stuff like that. And then regrow yourself a new head. And that really is a, a nutshell description of uh, shamanic initiation. Yeah. of a what's sometimes referred to as a shamanic decapitation. Yeah. Yeah, and it's uh, an intense journey. And I certainly have um, many a tale to report about that.
1: <laughs> yeah, beautiful. And you shared four directions. Mm-hmm. The fifth but one's in the center. The fifth one, exactly. So I just want the whole thing.
0: Queechy. <laughs> Queechy. That's the fifth direction. The rainbow quintessence. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: The. The full prismatic reality. Of universal truth, including all the dark matter. That's the fifth direction. And the tutelary animal ally for that is the Yama traditionally and the hummingbird.
1: Oh. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. And I think I read somewhere that you speak of us as prismatic beings. You did. Can you say a little bit more
0: about that? Well, actually, the person who really brought the phrase prismatic to uh, my whole language space is Michaela Harrison, who I know you
1: (sighs) My being of yes. love. Yes. I, know, I swoon for her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. Michaela
0: and I, we're sisters. Um that makes we're, sense. We're, yeah, we're we're new moon sisters. Um uh, we're born um 48 hours apart from each other.
1: Oh wow.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So we're I on the, we're actually on this journey together. We both have a concurrent tale that we can tell a whole concurrent story. That anyway. makes
1: a lot of sense to me. Everything you're saying keeps resonating with. It. I'm like, have you talked to Michaela about this? Yeah. Uh,
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She also jumped on Ascension Being of Light and came in the same time. Yes. So, uh,
1: <laughs> like, girl, I'm just going to listen to these whales because y'all trip tripping.
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 I love that hmm. So anyways, Michaela was yeah. the one um, when we were switching because, you know, I am a woman of the 1900s. So when we were evolving, <laughs> uh, yeah, I actually uh, back in the uh, 1980s was part of the whole like adding the B to the uh, lesbian gay movement.
1: Right.
0: You yeah. know, so I'm on the early like, end. There's of, another
1: way <laughs> of creating, you know,
0: of putting the rainbow out there. So then, of course, fast forward, the rainbow becomes, you know, queer. And uh, Michaela was like, you know, are we really going to, are we really going to go with queer? I'm like, you know, we were having this conversation. Like, is this where we're landing? Is this what we're, is this, is this what won? (laughs) This is the word, the phrase, the identity that we have to take on now. This is what won. You know, we went through it with colored, Negro, uh, African-American, Afro-American. Like I've been on that journey too. So it's like, oh my gosh, you know, and I'm glad black won, you know, amen. But yeah. uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you're like black that's cool but oh. we were we were and i was so it's like Michaela, what would it be and she was like mm, prismatic <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: great yeah yeah prismatic so i ran From with it of looking through the prism of our being yeah That makes a lot of sense to me.
0: Well, it's just so true because the whole nature of the prism is that what we're looking at is our multifaceted nature. And so how to survive the end of the world. Honestly, the world doesn't need to end. And Michaela has told you that as well because the whales have told us there's enough to go around. What the issue is, is values, interests, and principles because we have such skewed values, interests, and principles. They're all skewed in one direction no matter where you go. That the ability to truly just exist... As the facet that you are on the prism is very challenging for most people, unless your facet happens to chart in a place that's already considered valuable by the society or culture that you're currently being raised or living in. Yeah. So, if everybody somehow, and this is what really I'm, this is why I came on with you, I'm like, we're just going to beam this out there because I'm always going
1: to beam it out. I'm always
0: beaming it out that we can just zero out. And trust creation, creation and creativity. Trust yeah. that every single being, even the ones that we think are bitches and that we don't like, <laughs> has a purpose. <laughs>
1: You're like, all of them? Everyone has a purpose. All yeah.
0: And that if we could just <laughs> vacuum out the entire uh, you know, structure, I don't need to go into what that is. I'm sure we're all clear on that. And all of the demons of judgment that control people's decisions about who they are. So people show up, you're born with dons, you're born with gifts, you're born with purpose. You're born with your purpose. And if you were allowed to just green light, go forward into your purpose and everybody else was too, everything would just fall into place. Because that's the nature, as you know, of the forest floor. That's the nature of the ocean floor. That's the nature okay. of the canopy. That's the nature of any little environment of nature that you can go look at. If you just let all the entities, all the bacteria, etc., run, then somehow you have this really balanced ecosystem. So the prayer, the shamanic prayer, the uh, Abarisha prayer is really to bring in a realm that allows for the leap of faith required for the humans the two-legged to chart into their personal genius. ho
1: I love this.
2: Hello beloved survivors. It's me, Autumn. So, as you know, our show does not run ads. That's intentional. We are brought to you entirely by you by your support you cute sexy thing if you support us on patreon already thank you you're awesome i'm not talking to you if you don't support us on patreon already i'm talking to you and now is a great time to consider joining we've got t-shirts we've got tote bags we have mugs we have original art by my And also, Adrian and I do these really fun ask us anything episodes, which are exclusively available to patrons and where we answer questions that are exclusively sourced from patrons. So, to become a patron today and support the longevity of this show, please go to patreon.com slash world show. Thank you.
1: Okay, let's get back into it. There's like 40 different directions that I am interested in discussing with you. So we'll have follow up conversations. (laughs) But what, so, you know, when my sister and I were thinking about this podcast, we were like, we want to give people, first of all, a sense of normalcy about the, the fact that like things begin and end, those endings and beginnings overlap. We've been through many iterations. We've all been through many iterations, and society goes through many iterations. And when we're in apocalyptic times, It can really feel like this is the end and it can feel very terrifying for people. And I don't feel very terrified right now. I feel like there's a lot changing, but there's a lot we can harness inside of this change towards purpose, towards who we're meant to be. So I want to ask you that because you do this work of taking people on these journeys, journeys that are so transformative that it often changes the the trajectory of people's lives, right? That they're like, okay, I'm not going to know all this and then go back into a nine to five compromised life, right? Yeah, I've messed I'm up a lot of people's lives. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, right? Or l- liberated people from the matrix or whatever yeah. you want to say, right? Mm-hmm. And everyone who's listening to this podcast may not be willing to make the whole leap But there are skills. I'm always thinking about like, well, what are the things you can start to integrate? What are the baby steps, the first steps? Or what are just the skills that I'm like, every human needs this, right? For me, emergent strategy was a way of talking about like, everyone needs to be able to go out and put their feet in the dirt and feel that the earth is a communicator and that everything around us is, we're of that same system. We need to know that Um, because when anything hits the fan, when the shit hits the fan, you're not alone. You're with the trees, you're with that pond, you're with the grass, you're with the creatures, you're with the world, right? And I wanted to ask you, what are the witch skills or the awarenesses or the frameworks that you wish everyone had in this apocalyptic time?
0: A connection to the ancestors, A, do it. Everybody can do it. You don't have to have a religion. You don't have to pursue a religion. Somebody came before you. Oh, what if I don't know my ancestors? What if I don't like my ancestors? Fill in the blank. Okay. The bloodline ancestors, let's say we're looking at a tree, are one branch on the tree. So you got a branch and you got a bunch of branches coming off of that branch. That's actually your family tree. The whole rest of the tree, and that includes the roots, the trunk, whole canopy, that's also your ancestors because we're all one. Mm. We are one. Get it in your heads, people. We are one. It's okay. We, one. It's okay that we can break it down and study one cell. It's okay that we can study one branch. It's okay that we can study one cultural way. It's okay that we can study one way of doing finger waves. Okay? We can do anything we want to do. We can become specialists in stuff. But what yes. we need to remember is we are one. We cannot divide ourselves into many pieces. So the ancestors, are they animals? Are they plants? Are they people in history that you know? Or are they just, are they jidney? Are they energies? Whatever resonates with you, with your heart, start connecting with them. And you're Mm going to un-gaslight yourself immediately (laughs) by (laughs) calling in that support. That's right. (laughs) You're going to feel better. I
1: love that.
0: Yeah, you're just going to feel better. You're going to feel like, oh, I come from somewhere. Something supports me.
1: Something supports me. Something's at my back.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then start digging into your values, interests, and principles. It's worth the energy. If you're a person who actually has it in you to do a little contemplation, I would encourage yeah. you to contemplate which values, write them down, values, interests, and principles, and then go over them. Did I, are these my values or did I get them from somewhere else? Do I, why do I value this? Oh, I value this because I value eating. Right. So you value this because this is how you told yourself is the way you eat. That's fine. Do not judge it, please. I keep calling it a demon of judgment, right? Don't judge mm-hmm. it, but observe it. Is it really you of value or is it just the you value eating? Okay, I value yeah. eating too. So now I value this job that I have because this job is now equated with eating. And it may be for the rest of your life, the way you feed yourself. Yeah. However, if you can do some disentangling Yes, <laughs> and just realize where the true personal value lies, you will shift mm. because you will immediately shift your interests. So VIPs, values, interests, and principles. You will immediately shift your interests as soon as you really observe what your value is. Like for instance, you might like eating so much that you find out that you want to um, start selling some little foods on the side. And now next thing you know, you're like building a <laughs> cooking uh, catering business, you know, that you never even saw coming. Um, that's an example. So really looking at your values, your interests and your principles and investigating, uh, A, if they're yours, B, uh, like what level of investment you have in them and c, if they served you really well in the past and no longer serve you at this time. Because Mm. a lot of times if you get blessed enough with the uh, mixed blessing of living a long life, uh, you will find that you need to let go of some of your interests, values and principles um, as you evolve. And grab new
1: ones. Or Oh, yeah, there's <laughs> always like, yeah. new ones,
0: <laughs> you know, but you they don't all get replaced.
1: And values, I feel like values, what you value in the world, what's interesting, what is of interest to you. How do you talk about
0: your principles? Right. You really do have to look at your values and your interests. Uh, from a place of principle to be able to judge it. Principles are tricky because it's like when you take the time to look at this, you really do realize, like, whoa, I may not know what my principles are. This might be like the yeah. core of my colonized self. Yeah. And again, no judgment. That's why I like came on being like, look, I'm colonizing a mug. Like, hello, I'm raised in the United States of America through the 70s and the 80s and the 90s. That's what I took my education. Stop playing. You know? Yeah, so- exactly. <laughs>
1: No, I I mean, the same thing. I say the same thing. I'm like, if we can acknowledge that we're swimming in the waters, then we can become to, you know, that come to that awareness, right? Like for me, that's what my deepest meditation always yields to me. It's like, oh, that's all shaping. And I am not that shape. I've learned to fit into the shape that was made available to me. And now I'm learning to outgrow it, right? And, you know, the first, like I'm super into principles and I'm super into being a part of, groups that have articulated their principles and I'm not sure I think it's been a while since I examined what my own were outside of ones that I have in collaboration with others oh sure, right so yeah. that decolonial process is ongoing and ongoing and ongoing right? it's permanently <laughs>
0: ongoing because part of it is the more we awaken and I do speak for myself the more we awaken to our, the, the multiplicity of the senses that we have, we don't, we were, we, oh yeah, five senses, haha. So not so <laughs> fine. And then we want to say, oh, I'm woke, or oh, I've been practicing this for 20 years. Who cares? You're coming out of the dark ages. I have so much more. I might as well have just started yesterday. You know, I have so much yes, more. so much to I, go. I've been out of my senses for so long, I need to get into them. So, and all of a sudden... My principles change because what I thought was a principled way forward excluded a series of windows and doors that I simply was not able to incorporate into my consciousness. But now that I have an awareness of those windows and doors, it changes my principles. Wow.
1: That makes a ton of sense to me. And- Right. It's it's like from inside the cage or from inside the cave, you know, it's like from this limited place, here's what my principles are. And then when I realize I can stand up and walk out and survive, everything shifts. And I really, really appreciate the dance of having principles and not succumbing to the demon of judgment, because I, I do think early in my political practice especially that my principles were actually rooted in my judgment so they were rooted in like i have a judgment of the world i have a judgment of capitalism i have a judgment of mean people i have a judgment of how people are bosses and so Mm -hmm. all those are emerging and these are my principles and then i feel like it was coming into community uh with the allied media projects and in the emergent strategy and bold and all these other groups that i was like oh the principle can be around the world I long to be a part of and to create and to practice. And that's such a different orientation. And, you know, I'm a Virgo. So you've got the Pisces um, feeling it all. And I've got the Virgo judging it all, <laughs> right? And so like a lot of my work has been like, my nature is judgmental. And what I've been trying to do is hone that for discernment, right? That I'm like, I can be discerning without being caught in judgment. And I can have principles that are not rooted in judgment, but in love and discernment and connection.
0: Ashe, that's yeah. the way. You know, yeah. Pisces, Virgo, we're the match.
1: We're the match. I right, know.
0: we're, you know, always. I know, it's Your cosmic. new moon and my moon, new moon, and your full moon and my full moon. Exactly. We're always on that cosmic. And it happens to be my north node, south node connect too. So I, I get our relationship. <laughs> we got it all.
1: Yeah, I get our relationship.
0: <laughs> and what I'll say to that is, It's the Pisces that's always going to bring you, so long as you're checking those demons of judgment and that type of thing, the Pisces nature is always going to bring you to that exploratory location. And if we aren't attached by the dogma or if somehow we haven't like tied our dogma into our ego and into our work in such a way that it will shame us publicly or make us have to close down our job, um, we can do it. So really, yeah. it's that awareness of how you tether yourself to your um, principles as well and how you tether yes. your public image and your, your work or your family life, whatever it might be. Um, make sure that there's always room for evolving, you know? That's so Because important. people are always, because, because you know, first of all, we all know there's haters. People always love to come and be like, oh, you're a hypocrite. Oh, you said exactly. one thing and you did another. Oh, you're supposed to be a healer. Why are you such a raving bitch, you know? Yes, <laughs> yes. It's wonderful.
1: <laughs> it's so exciting to have strangers and their their thoughts. Well, and you know, I do also appreciate that though, that I needed that message particularly today because I am in this massive changing, right? And that change of being like, I am the gift that I was actually put on earth to provide is, it's just unveiling itself to me. Like I've, I've been doing all these things that I'm like, this is a gift that was supposed to come through me, right? And it's come through me and I'm letting it through. But then there's a gift that is about how I be and that I'm just starting to touch into, right? And I'm like, it's different from what anyone knows yet. <laughs> it feels different to me anyway. That's and right. I feel like all of my adult life though has been, I'm gonna change in public. I'm not gonna put out the book that you expect to come next or I'm not gonna put out the project you expect to come next. I'm gonna put out what it what's actually next. And I think you gave us a lot of medicine today, Dr. G. Love. And I want to see if there's anything I didn't ask you about that you wanted to share, that you wanted to tell everyone, that you wanted to transmit.
0: I think I feel, um, you know, pretty complete. There is a lot of, uh, there's a lot to play with and a lot to chew on and work with. So I want to encourage uh, all the listeners to know that this is a sacred container. Yeah. The Ashe that we are holding right now in this container really is there for you. Like yes. take this container and allow it to uh, make a big change. Even if it's a tiny change, even if it looks small, allow this container to really be a blessing and a, uh, a cleansing. Allow it to just cleanse your ori, to cleanse your spirit and just have you come out a little bit shiny. Mm. Yeah,
1: what a blessing. Thank you so much. I feel my, um, there's this area in my body from like my jaw down into my heart that is a particular container where I'm like, oh yes. Like it, when it opens up, I'm like, all is right. (laughs) It's just like, (laughs) woo, yes. Wide open. All right. So I'm reading a piece from fables and spells at the end of each of these episodes and today I'm going to read the radical gratitude spell because I feel gratitude for you. And it's also the first thing in this book. <laughs> okay, so, thank you. Let's go for it. So, this is a spell to cast upon meeting a stranger, comrade, or friend working for social or environmental justice and for liberation. You are a miracle in motion. I greet you with wonder. In a world which seeks to own your joy and your imagination, you have chosen to be free every day as a practice. I can never know the struggles you went through to get here, but I know you have swum upstream and at times it has been lonely. I want you to know I honor the choices you made in solitude and I honor the work you have done to belong. I honor your commitment to that which is larger than yourself and your journey to love the particular vessel of life that is you. You are enough. Your work is enough. You are needed. Your work is sacred. You are here,
0: and I am grateful. Ah, Shay. Adrian, that was so <laughs> sweet. It was a little love Some spell ideals, to my A little heart. love spell
1: for your heart. Thank I'm you. so grateful that we had this time together, and... In the last few seasons, we've done this thing called Top Culture at the end of our shows, where we ask people like, "What is something you're watching, or listening, or reading, or engaging in that just like got you lit up right now?" I don't know. Does something come to mind for you like that?
0: We did mention Andrea Hairston, Redwood and Wildfire. Read her book. She has great books, but that book—that one—is really I'm, I'm moved. Yes, yeah, and she's yeah. got. Um, you know, we'll do magic for small change or something like that. I think it's her latest book. And I think it's supposed to be the sequel to that one. And I have it. I have a signed copy of it, but I haven't opened it yet. So
1: I didn't know there was a sequel. Oh, that makes me very excited. You just lit my whole fire. Okay. That's exciting. Mine is the Bhagavad Gita. (laughs) So four times in the last month, someone randomly or seemingly randomly, because it's never actually random has mentioned the Bhagavad Gita to me in a moment when I'm asking myself a question about something I'm editing and rewriting. And then someone has mentioned the Bhagavad Gita like within an hour of that. And so I have just, I couldn't find it in my house. I think I've given it away. So I just re-downloaded a copy (laughs) to start carrying with me and be in some practice with each day. Um, And it's kind of amazing. I forget, you know, you go away from something and then you come back and it's like, how can something this ancient, make this much sense. And then I'm like, all the things that make the most sense to me are pretty ancient. So I'm like, of course, of course it does. Um that in Love Island UK is really great this season. All right. Okay. Highbrow and lowbrow. Thank you so <laughs> much <laughs> for tuning into this show. This um thank you so much for the miraculous time that you gave us, Dr. G Love. And thank you to all of our listeners. Um, thank you to everyone who supports us through our Patreon, patreon.com slash end the world show. We're on Instagram at end show PC and we are produced by the incredible Zach Rosen and we're just sending a big special shout out today as we record this, this is the last day of Jess Pinkham being my assistant. And Jess has just been a lifesaver and a world changer and a shapeshifter and a magic maker. And Jess, I hope that everything you go on to create is the best ever thing that you've ever done and that you enjoy every minute of it. So just wanted to send that shout out to Jess and we'll see you next time. Ashe!
0: Ashe!